You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to another Pipeline podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis. Jonathan Mayo back home in western Pennsylvania. Jim Callis now the one on the road as he is headed down to Arizona. Coming to us from Diablo Stadium in Tempe, Arizona. Spring home of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. So we got a lot to talk about on this podcast. The top 10 organizational rankings are out on MLBpipeline.com. We will break that down. We'll really get into depth on the top three. Um, We will briefly mention where Jonathan is headed next week, which is not a spring training site, but a WBC site far, far away. Um, But before all of that, Jim was... Lucky to catch up with Gavin Lux, uh, number seven ranked prospect in the Dodgers organization. He sat down with him over the last couple of days. So let's start with an interview. Jim Callis talking to Gavin Lux. This is Jim Callis with the MLB Pipeline talking to Gavin Lux, first round pick of the Dodgers in the 2016 draft. We're out here in Glendale for spring training. Uh, Gavin, you know, coming into last year, when I talked to scouts about you, uh, a lot of interest in you guys like the, uh, but I guess when I talk to people, they kind of project you as an offensive second baseman, you know, maybe, you know, second, third, fifth round pick, and then you blossomed into a first round pick. And the reports I got from scouts were that they thought you improved in every phase of the game. They thought you got stronger, quicker, like the swing better, like the defense better. What were your expectations going into your high school senior season? Honestly, for me, um, I was really just focused on trying to win a state tournament with my team and everything else kind of just fell into place with the draft and all that. But over the winter, I got some feedback from some scouts that, you know, I needed to get stronger, faster and better arm and all the stuff to kind of be where I wanted to be. So um, I just kind of took that and used it as a little bit of motivation to kind of see where I could go and use it to where I am now. So. When draft day did roll around, you know, there was some first-round buzz about you. Did, were you hearing that? Did you expect to come to the Dodgers? What were you hearing team-wise? Were you trying to listen or, or not listen to that type of stuff? Uh, I, I tried as hard as I could to block it out. Um, obviously, once the draft day came, I was I was praying I would go in the first or second round. Um, honestly, for me, I didn't. I wasn't expecting the Dodgers. Um, I didn't find out till it was actually on the TV. So, I mean, it was it was a really good surprise, and it's a great organization. So, I, I couldn't be more excited to be with them. You had a pretty solid pro debut. Coming into pro baseball, what surprised you the most about making the transition to the pro game? It's literally every day. Um, a lot of people, you know, everyone says it's every day, and I was like, okay, yeah, it is, but it really is. Um, you know, you, you get to the field early, you take BP, you get your defense work. You got if you have to work out, you lift. Um, so it's every day. It's 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 a grind. So it's just hard on your body. So you got to be prepared for it. Coming into your first first full pro season, do you have any specific goals or things you're looking to work on uh, more than others at this point? Um, for me, just trying to hit for more power, um, see if I can tap into that a little bit, and then just being more consistent all around in every facet of the game. So that's, that's my main focus. How much did growing up around the game help you? Your uncle, Augie Schmidt, former number two overall draft pick, Golden Spikes Award winner, college coach at, at Carthage. When did you when did you start you know hanging around uh, him, soaking up that knowledge, and, and how much do you think that's helped your transition? Oh uh, yeah, I mean that's that's a great blessing to have over there. But I probably really started working out with all of them, and you know once I got serious into baseball around nine or ten. So 
you know, just going over there, working out with the team, asking as many questions as I could to him and some of the older guys and just being around that program and kind of made me grow up a little bit and kind of knew what to expect going into even pro ball, college ball, all that. So it was, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a ton of knowledge around there. So it helped a lot. What kind of advice has he given you about pro ball? Obviously, he was a very highly touted draft pick. His career didn't turn out necessarily the way he would have wanted. Did he give you any advice about, you know, ways things could possibly go better for you? Yeah, just he just always tells me to stay off the emotional roller coaster. You know, don't get too high, too low. Just um, if you're struggling, just uh, don't get too down. If you're if you're doing really well, you know, you don't get too high. So it's just staying even keeled and just learning how to fail with baseball. Because I mean, it's you fail a lot. So what's it like? I mean, I know you just got here a day ago, but how much or how excited are you to be here in your first? Uh, you know, you're not in big league camp, obviously, because you're just getting started. But how how cool is it to be here in Glendale and? Uh, you know, you can go over and watch the Dodgers, see guys like Kershaw and Puig and Corey Seager, uh, you know, whenever you want. How, what kind of a, a neat experience is this so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't wait to get out here. The last month I was in Wisconsin, I just, I was really itching to get out. But, um, I mean, yeah, it's a learning experience just going to watch them take BP and, you know, take ground balls and see the way they go about their business. And it's just, um, it's a great learning experience just to be out here and watch them. So it's that's another cool thing to do because there's a lot of very good players with the Dodgers, so. As I mentioned, you know, at the top of this, you know, when I talked to scouts, they mentioned about your all-around ability. You can hit, you can run, you can play defense. What do you think your strongest suit is of your game? I would probably say just hitting for average and defense and then just trying to be the, the best teammate I can be. Um, we're really Dodgers are really big on that, so I, I take that into pride too. With, so be just being a teammate and then just trying to do whatever I can to help out. So. And I don't know if you've looked this far yet ahead yet in your first full pro season, but I mean, there's probably a good chance you you, you won't be too far from home if you get assigned to the Midwest League, which would seem to be the logical destination. How far is uh, is Great Lakes from Kenosha? And uh, have you thought about that much that you might be fairly close to home in your first season? Oh, definitely. Um, my family members, um, I know if, if that's where I'm at, they're they're going to be at a bunch of games. All my buddies are excited. And it's about like a five or six hour drive, I want to say. So and even games around, it's there's games around there in the Midwest League, just close to home. So if that's where I'm at, you know, I'm, I'll be excited um, just to be able to be around family and friends and them getting the opportunity to see me play. So Okay, thanks a lot, Gavin. This has been Jim Callis with MLB Pipeline talking to Gavin Lux, Dodgers shortstop. Good stuff there from Gavin Lux talking about his uncle, Augie Schmidt, his first year in the pros and, of course, his first spring training as well. Uh, Jim, what stood out to you the most talking to Gavin Lux? Well, I think two things. Uh, one, and I feel like a broken record because I feel like I say this a lot and Johnson says this a lot and maybe we're just getting old and we're amazed that young guys are so articulate, but uh I just I, this struck me last year, and again this year when I've been talking to, the, to these young prospects in spring training, just how you know just polished and confident they are dealing with the media. And I just you know I, I don't know if it's just because there's more prospect coverage now, you guys get more attention even when they're amateurs before they get drafted. But it just just impressed me. A very good time talking to Gavin Lux. Another thing, like I knew he chance to be uh, you know a pretty good offensive player for middle infielder, but it struck me he's pretty well built. 18-year-old Wisconsin kid who's a shortstop. He's pretty put together pretty well, so I can see why guys. You know, that I guess made me feel even better about our optimistic offensive projections for him. He's a strong-looking guy. So, um, you know, aside from the interview, those were my impressions. Just uh, one, you know, it seemed very, very mature for a guy just getting into pro ball. Had a little uh, motorcycle uh, ambiance here in Tempe, there out on the street, and uh, 
And then two, just uh, physically, he was a little bit bigger than I thought he might be. I thought it was pretty neat that he he said um, that going into his senior year, he was just focused on winning a state championship with his high school team. We think of these guys as just preparing for the draft, but this guy just wanted to win a high school state tournament with his team. Uh, Jonathan, uh, Lux is obviously still a very young player, but the upside is high, huh? Uh, very, very high. I mean, that's why he kind of raised uh, up uh, on draft boards uh, as we approached, because uh, not only did he show, you know, a good amount with the bat, but I think there were more people who believed he could stay at shortstop. And I think it's really interesting to watch these guys from cold weather states and how they develop. Uh, you know, I think by and large, he expected to take a, a little bit longer uh, just because they can't play as much uh, as much baseball. Uh, if he's you know already starting to physically mature, uh, you know, from what Jim says, he's he, he's uh, getting strong. What I was trying to interject before is that I said it must be the all the cheese, all the dairy. That's why he's so strong. Um, a little dairy state humor there for you. Uh, but uh, you know, then maybe uh, he can handle a full season assignment right away. Uh, and and because of that maturity, uh, then if he you know if he faces some adversity, he'll be able to handle that too. Hey, Tim, I feel like we're bad teammates because Johnson said the same joke twice and we didn't laugh either time. Nothing. I, you know, it, it's not even that I needed laughter, uh, just some recognition that I, I was heard. That's all. My audio must be down in the studio. That, that must be I it. I definitely laughed. <laughs> <laughs> least, uh, all right. At least on the inside. All right. So on to the top 10 organizations, according to you guys and MLBPipeline.com. Before we get to that, though, we do want to take a second to tell you about the StatCast podcast through MLB.com. It's a show dedicated to the analytics that drive front office decisions in the modern game. It's hosted by our friends Mike Petriello and Matt Myers. And on this week's show, they'll discuss two exciting new StatCast metrics. That's hit probability and cash probability. If you follow StatCast in 2017, you'll hear those terms a lot. You can download it on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcast by searching for StatCast Podcast or by going to www.statcastpodcast.com. All right, on to the top 10 organizations. Uh, and I will start by just taking us through 10 through 4, and then we'll focus in on the, the big top three, which were actually unveiled today as we record this podcast on Friday afternoon. Number 10 is the Tampa Bay Rays getting back into the top 10. Nine is the Reds, who are obviously in a rebuild mode. Then number eight is the Rockies. Number seven is the Pirates, who seem to always find themselves somewhere on this list. Uh, Gavin Lux's Dodgers organization is number six. Then it's the Brewers at five, who have done so much to improve their system the last couple of years. Same thing with the Padres at four. So that brings us to the top three. Uh, and we'll go through them one at a time, guys. Let's start at number three with the Chicago White Sox, who in one week at the winter meetings did a lot to improve their system, of course. Um, they were pretty good before that. They've leaped into the the elite as far as organizations and depth. Jim, what do you like most about that White Sox system? Well, I mean, the, the trades are what catch your eye. and uh, But I'm actually going to... Uh I guess defer. I'm going to let Jonathan talk about the trades, and I'm going to pump up their draft last year too. Everybody looks at the Mankata and the uh, getting the, and the Chris Sale trade. I was calling the Mankata trade because we're focused on prospect pipeline, but everybody looks at the Chris Sale and Adam Eaton trade. But I think their draft in 2016 has a chance to be pretty special, and it's really added to the depth of the system. Before they made those deals, they had two first round picks. They got Zach Collins, who I think the jury's still out somewhat on whether he's going to be a catcher long term, but that guy's definitely going to hit. They got Zach Birdie, also in the first round. 
He's a potential closer. I think he's going to be the first guy from last year's draft in the big league. They already got the triple A last year. They got Alec Hansen in the second round. Could be one of the absolute flat-out steals of the draft. A guy who was in the contention to be number one overall pick going into the year. Had a really rough year. White Sox did a couple simple things with delivery, and he looks spectacular. Uh, third and fourth round, they got a couple of, of offensive-minded outfielders and Alex Collins, Jameson Fisher. Seventh round, they got the best lefty in the system, a kid named Bernardo Flores, who was inconsistent at USC in college and a lot better in pro law. And then, uh, I don't know if Jonathan has a scouting report on Aaron Schnurbush, but he was drafted very late in the draft as a senior sign, had a, a bad senior year at Pitt, and he looked tremendous in his pro debut. Um, so I, I think I'll let Jonathan, like I said, wax poetic about the guys who got in the trades, but you know, besides those trades, that 2016 draft by, by scouting director Nick Hostler and his staff, that has a chance to be a very, very good draft. Go ahead, Jonathan. Uh, yeah, he left the uh, layup for me, I guess. Uh, you know, the two trades were obviously big. And this was a, a team that even with the, the really good draft that, that Jim uh, elaborated on, it was still not thought of as a particularly good farm system. Now, maybe it was slowly improving. Uh, you know, you had Carson Palmer, Palmer from, uh, sorry, Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer would be an interesting draft choice, but uh, Carson Palmer uh, from the previous year, and I think he is going to uh, get himself back on the right track. And then the trades, uh, where they added seven guys uh, to the to the top 30. Uh, the top four, obviously, the, the the top 100 guys all in the top 40. Uh, you know, they're the ones that get all the attention, and, and kind of rightfully so. I mean, Mancada and Giolito and Kopek and Reynaldo Lopez and, and you know, Basabi and Dane Dunning are sort of like the, the other guys in those trades, but they have a chance to be pretty good too. Uh, so there's a chance that those trades, you know, they were good to begin with just because the elite level talent and it's guys that are close to the big league ready that are going to uh, contribute at some point this year. Uh, but it's, uh, it's also some of those guys that might be a little further away uh, that can make those trades even uh, more helpful and beneficial to the long-term health of the farm system. And who knows, they could still trade Jose Quintana at some point this spring and, and add even more depth and talent to that system. We'll see about that as other teams maybe suffer injuries throughout spring training. Who knows? Um, all right, number two is the New York Yankees, which – uh, and we'll get to number one in a second, but people probably realize by hearing who's two, who number one will be. I think the Yankees are also, Jim, your team as far as top 30 rankings and stuff like that. So I'll let you go first again on the Yankees. Okay, and I'm going to do this. The same strategy. I'm going to be a better teammate. I'm not going to laugh at Jonathan's dairy Selfless. jokes, but I will let him talk about trades. Because everybody, I think, thinks about the trades first for the Yankees, too. And I think they did masks. I mean, they already had an improving system. They've just done a kind of a nice job in all aspects. I mean, you, you, they have first-round picks they've drafted well, guys like Blake Rutherford and Aaron Judge. They have later-round draft picks who they've drafted well. You know, uh, Chance Adams is a guy who, who really kind of came out of nowhere. I think Dustin Fowler gets almost criminally overlooked in that system. I, I think he might have the best chance of all those outfield prospects to play center for the Yankees and could be a 2020 guy. Tyler Wade was a fourth-round pick who's got a chance to be an interesting middle infielder. And then internationally, they've done a, a ton of great work, too. I mean, the, the biggest name prospects at this point are guys like Jorge Mateo, who's one of the fastest players in the minor leagues, Miguel Andahar, who can, can has power third and has a, a cannon arm, uh, Domingo Acevedo. They, they, they have so many guys who can throw in the upper 90s as they sign internationally. A ton of shortstops like Wilkerman Garcia. Uh, they've got a, a young outfielder who I think we're going to be talking about as a breakout player next year who's got crazy tools named Esteban Florial. 
So again, kind of similar to the White Sox, you kind of sit up and take notice when you look at their trade acquisitions. But the Yankees have really kind of been killing it early rounds of the draft, late rounds of the draft, internationally. They've been doing a good job all around of going out and acquiring talent. And Jonathan, Brian Cashman also finally got a chance to go out and sell a little bit last season, which added even more talent to this system. So it, it did. I'm curious, though, if you criminally overlook, is that a misdemeanor or a felony? <laughs> Jim. I think it's only a misdemeanor. I don't. I, it's, I, I had a little inward chuckle at that one, but uh, I think it's well, only a good. misdemeanor. But if he if he has if he continues to develop like he has, continues to be overlooked, then we have to may have to charge some people with felony. I look forward to the Stackcast podcast on the very low hit probability of my jokes. Um, oh, very nice. Thank you very much. See, that's cross uh, cross promotion right there at its finest. Uh, so yeah, the trades, uh, and obviously we could we could just spend an entire podcast talking about how much we like Labor Torres, uh, you know, that, that would be easy to do. Uh, this is a guy who, who can flat out hit. Uh, he's one of those guys that you, you watch take batting practice and you stop. The, the, the sound is different for, for sure. He's got power to all fields. Uh, you know, he's uh, turned himself into a very good defender when once upon a time there were sort of questions of whether he could play shortstop. Uh, he slid over to play second base during the fall league and played there like he had always played there, even though he'd never played there before. And more than anything for me, he just sort of carries himself like he belongs, uh, not in an overly cocky way, but uh, I think that all that adds up to a, a future elite level, all-star kind of talent. Uh, you know, then you've got Clint Frazier, you know, who has had his ups and downs, uh, but I think more than anything, you know, after the trade, he, he just tried to do too much, and he's, he's that kind of guy, I think, who uh, was depressed to try to prove to the Yankees that he was worth it. I think coming into his first full season with the Yankees, he's going to settle down and get back to uh, what he was starting to do, which was change his approach, uh, get a little more patient at the plate, not be all or nothing, uh, but he does play with a high energy, and I think uh, fans of New York are going to love him. And then uh, Justice Sheffield, the lefty, they, they got uh, he and Frazier from the Indians in, in the Miller trade. And uh, it's funny because I think in, in, at any other time, Sheffield could be the guy that would be the one everyone was talking about, but especially because of Torres uh, from the Chapman deal. And, and then from Frazier, he, he gets the, the short shrift, but uh, you know, he has a chance to be a good mid-rotation guy, knows how to pitch. Not the biggest guy in the world, but he's strong and athletic. So, uh, you know, three, you know, we talked about the, the White Sox getting you know, all this upper level, uh, you know, elite level talent. Uh, you know, Torres is in that elite level. Frazier is close. Uh, you know, certainly belongs in the you know upper part of the top 100. Just Sheffield isn't quite that level, but it gives them three really firm top 100 guys to to add to all the depth that Jim was talking about before. All right, and that brings us to number one. And people may be surprised that MLB Pipeline, Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo are going. With the Atlanta Braves, and I'm just kidding, guys. But you guys do. You're throwing Jonathan under the bus there because I don't. Yeah, think I've the never Braves bashed ever the Braves. That's Jonathan. all, Jim. Yeah. Yes. The Braves fans were hating me, not Jonathan. So I think that was that was criminally unfair. I'm charging you with a misdemeanor, Tim. All right, fair enough. And and uh, Jonathan <laughs> is the one who ranks the 30 prospects for the Braves, so he gets to go first on this system. Uh, when it came down to it, when you have these. These top three, Jonathan, with the White Sox, Yankees, and Braves. And I know you guys discuss it and debate who should be kind of where. To you, what what's the difference maker with this Brave system? I mean, a lot of it, I think, has to do with what's at the top. They have seven guys on the top 100. I mean, the Yankees have a good amount of top 100 guys, too. But, uh, uh, you know, and then the chance of some, some high-ceiling guys 
to to really become impact players, uh, really uh, just all over the place. You know, more than anything, I think with the Braves, you're looking at the young pitching and what could happen there. That's it's a little bit of a risk, you know, and the, and the Braves go into that knowing it. But, you know, back in the day, which is what they were trying to get back to, they were really, really good at developing uh, high-level young pitching. And uh, the amount of arms is just tremendous. I mean, you've got guys in the top 100 uh, like Ian Anderson and Colby Allard. You know, but you've got guys not in the top 100 like Max Freed, maybe even like Tuki Toussaint if he takes an, another step forward. Uh, who could be uh, freed is closer to me than, than Saint is, but um, you know, and then the list goes on and on and on, you know, you could go in any number of directions with what they've done. They've made, you know, some, a bunch of trades. Um, they've drafted aggressively uh, and been able to, even just this last draft class alone, uh, where they were able to pick up Joey Wentz and Kyle Mueller as well, uh, along with Ian Anderson and, you know, three sort of first round high school armed talents. Uh, you know, then there's the the international uh, work that they've done, and that's given them some some high end talent and some guys uh, who are coming. You know, Kevin McTon is the one that jumps out, uh, but uh, they have some other guys who are, are very exciting. Some of whom could jump on the top 100 as well in, in this coming season. All right, Jim, here you go. I'm sure you fighted this, you fought <laughs> this throughout the debating process, putting the Braves at number one. But uh, you got to speak highly of them now. I did rank the Braves personally number one list uh, when I did my It was unanimous. Um, I, I will say it, it was extremely close. I, I think the U.S. Johnson, what the difference was, uh, for me, I think the difference is the potential upside of all that young Braves pitching. I, I think it, 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 you're not going to hit on all your pitchers, but if they hit on a good percentage of them, I think there's a little bit more pitching upside than the Yankees had. That said, you, you know, I can't talk about the Braves farm system and, without angering their fan base a little bit, just by pointing out my, my standard line that, while I do like a lot of their arms, I really like Colby Allard. Max Freed looks like he's on the way back just for, for two right there. You know, the, the, the big thing will determine how good the system ultimately proves out to be is what happens with these pitchers. And none, you know, they do not have a guy in their system right now. It'll, it could change this year in 2017 as guys advance. But they don't have a guy in their system right now, any of these top pitching prospects, who A, throws a lot of strikes, B, has a clean medical health record, and C, has pitched above A ball. And so there's a little bit of hesitation there. But, but I really do like the system. And, and you know, it's interesting is we talk about all these young pitchers, and I don't have the list right in front of me right now. I think the top three guys on our Braves position list are, are Dancy Swanson at shortstop, you know, Ozzy Alves, who could actually play shortstop, but is going to be a second baseman, and Kevin Maiton, who was signed as a shortstop and probably winds up at third. And I think – one of the guys, uh, Jonathan, I think you would probably back me up on this. One of the guys that will probably come on to the top 100 pretty soon that we keep hearing, uh, it's almost like we've heard more glowing reports about him after we left him off the top 100 list, is Ronald Acuna, and outfielder is very interesting. So yep. uh, two very, very exciting systems. Like I said, uh, I think there's maybe, you know, those pitchers, I think you could say if we had the, the system, the, the Brave system, yeah, I can't say Brave system, probably has a higher ceiling with all those pitchers. The Yankee system, might have a little bit higher floor, 
because of the risk with a lot of those Braves pitchers. You were right with those numbers. It's Swanson, Albies, and Maiton. Then the then the pitchers come. Four is Colby Albert, five Mike Soroka, six Sean Newcomb, and seven Ian Anderson before Acuna at number eight. Then Max Fried, who people love a lot also, is, is up to nine, obviously, coming off the injury. So how much – I know you said it was unanimous as far as the Braves being number one. Overall, rating the top ten organizations is a fairly new thing. For MLBpipeline.com, it's something you guys didn't used to do. You've done it the last couple of years, I think, is is when it's begun. How much debate is there in putting together these top tens? Jonathan? I would say that we probably agree on seven of the teams, maybe maybe eight. You know, depending on this is the third year that we've done it. And, and then it's just a, a question of ordering. Uh, you know, I would say some mild haggling, Jim. I mean, I, it never gets too contentious. Um, but, uh, you know, once once we all breathed a sigh of relief that Jim was willing to put the Braves number one, it kind of just uh, was easy after that. <laughs> well, I would have been outvoted by you and Mike Rosenbaum anyway if I'd had them at number two, so it wouldn't have mattered. But I agree. I think we were, we were in pretty much consensus on the organizations. There wasn't a big difference. I mean, I know – uh, I'll, I'll talk about my old man Callis days back in the day, but I was at Baseball America, and we ranked all 30 organizations. Uh, you could get a lot of divergent opinions after you got past the top few organizations. You know, it's kind of like the draft. I think in the draft, the first few picks, not necessarily the exact order, but there's kind of a consensus as to who should go in those first few picks. And then when you get, you get outside the top 10, and the rest of the first round would be all over the place. And I think if we did, if we did rank 30 organizations, we probably have a lot more debate, but I think we were mostly on the same page with with the top ten or so. So the top ten organizations is out MLBPipeline.com. The top thirty prospects for all thirty clubs also out now on MLBPipeline.com. You'd think you guys could get a nice rest, but I think the top one hundred draft prospects isn't that far away. Oh shush! <laughs> Come on, we got like about five or six weeks on that. Well, you too, Tim. How many? Uh... I don't know if you kept exact count, but how many voiceovers do you think you did for top 30 prospects? Oh, boy. Well, we voice, I believe, about – we voice 450 of the 900, and I get some help from Matt Wehmeyer, obviously. But I, I would say maybe 300. So I'll get the voice back in time for the draft stuff, and uh, we will keep it going <laughs> from there. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Pipeline Podcast. Great stuff, as always, for Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.